Hey guys, you're listening to another episode of Brew Roots. I'm Emily. And I'm Matt. And we're live at Oktoberfest. Live in Munich, Germany. And uh, boy, oh boy, am I jet lagged from our eight hour flight. Yeah, it was a long flight, but it was totally worth it. Holy cow, there are so many people here in Lederhosen's and. I don't even think I've ever seen this many people in one place at the same time. I also don't know ever. if I've ever drank this much beer. Yeah. And not be drunk. We're rallying. We are rallying. I've eaten so much and I've drank so much. Uh, what do you think of Germany so far? Absolutely loving it. I barely speak German, but I'm trying my best. You I know, know I'm learning a, vida, a few terms. I know. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. But you don't want to say that because you want to say Guten Tag. We just got here. Yes. We will not be saying a Wiedersehen until next week. Yep. But this week we are doing what, Emily? We're going to tell you guys all about Oktoberfest. We're going to enjoy some beer and you're going to learn some fun facts. Yes. Yeah, so buckle in and, uh, you know, put your headphones on and pretend like you're here in Oktoberfest. The whole episode is not going to sound like this. We're probably, what, like four to five hundred people behind us right now. Yeah. We're going to go record somewhere quiet and we'll see you guys on the other side. All right. Cheers. <laughs> oh boy oh boy emily i just listened to that intro and i, I cringe a little bit uh, you know what we had a great time yeah uh super super thankful to everyone who's been super hospitable here in germany yep beautiful spot uh and excuse us if we sound a little tired we are jet lagged <laughs> <laughs> so jet lagged yes all right so emily Let's talk about the history of the wonderful event we are at right now, Oktoberfest. Yeah. Funny enough, Oktoberfest does not happen in... October. It actually happens in late September, and this was a decision because um, basically the weather is a little bit nicer at the end of September than it is like two weeks into October. So it goes into the first Sunday of October, but it starts just around like September 22nd. Correct. Yep. And it really just depends on when the first Sunday falls, mm-hmm. um, of like when the festival will start and whether it's going to be 16 days, 17 days, 18 days. Um, so, yeah. Yep. And uh, Oktoberfest, like we said, is held in Germany, specifically M- Munich. Mm-hmm. And it's been held since 1810. It was originally started to celebrate the marriage of Prince Ludwig and Princess Therese, or Teresa, um, and basically, after the wedding, they invited all of the citizens of Munich to gather together on these fields outside the city, and they held a horse race. Yeah, so when you look at Oktoberfest, yes, it, it is held in uh, in Munich, but it's actually held on the fields of Theresienweiss, which stands for Theresa's Meadow, and that's to honor the crown prince. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and later on, they think they shortened the name to just, like, Weissen. Yes. But, yeah, very sweet. Mm-hmm. And it really was, you know, there was no beer served. It was basically just a horse race and a celebration. And they held it again the next year, and it was a success. And after that, they started holding it annually. I think it was after a couple of years they started saying, well, let's just make this an annual thing. And they started turning it into this sort of agricultural festival to celebrate the agriculture of the area and celebrate Bavarian culture. And it just kind of evolved from there into this carnival. And they had bowling and games and tree climbing, which I guess was a fun thing for people to do. And they had swings. And now when you go in, you know, the in the era that we're in, there's like amusement park rides and there's like games and live music. and Yeah, it's completely, from what I've understood, completely different. Yep. So um, this is like a, this is a huge event. 
in Germany. Yeah. It's safe to say. So the history of this was really here to like boost agriculture from what I understood at the time. Yeah, I think that's why they decided to have it annually. Mm-hmm. It was like something that people could prepare for. They had contests and all kinds of like agricultural showings. And this is actually still held today. There still is an agriculture show. Uh, but I think the focus is pretty much around the drinking. But the funny thing that people don't realize is that they didn't actually start serving beer at Oktoberfest until 1892 in those glass mugs. And the cool thing about it is that it still kind of holds true to this, you know, agricultural tradition and this celebration of Bavarian culture because the only beer that you can serve at Oktoberfest has to conform to this standard. And I'm probably going to butcher this, but it's Reinheitsgebot. And basically that means, you know, it's, it basically stands for like a standard of purity. Um, I don't know what the direct translation is. I forget, but it's, it's just a German standard of purity for beer. And then it also, the beer has to be brewed within the city limits of Munich. So it's kind of a nice way of like celebrating the, the brewing culture that exists just within the city walls. Yeah. So we go into the 19th century, um, Oktoberfest was actually canceled a couple times. Several times. Several times. Yeah. So the first couple times that it was canceled was canceled due to an epidemic of. No, I think the first time they canceled it was in the Napoleonic Wars. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I... In 1830, uh, the festival was canceled due to the involvement of Bavaria in the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah. And that's pretty early on. You know, it had only been taking place for about 20 years at that point. Right. And then after that, there were several cholera outbreaks. I think there were like two or three. So they had to cancel it several years in a row. And then, you know, a couple of sporadic times after that. But, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen to us again. Yep. Um, In 1880, (laughs) the first electric light illuminated 400 booths and tents. That's pretty interesting. Like, (laughs) to think that this has been going on before electric lighting was (laughs) even invented. I know. And, I mean, it's evolved so much as an event, too, because, again, like, they didn't even start serving beer until 80-something years into it. Mm-hmm. And now the the entire celebration is really just thought of as a celebration of brewmaking and, and beer. And <laughs> I was reading some kind of statistics about maybe the past 10 years of Oktoberfest, and... I guess in 2013, over 7.7 million liters of beer were served. There were about 6 million people there. Yes. So actually, funny that you mentioned that. In the 20th century, at the 100th year anniversary of Oktoberfest, an estimated 120,000 liters of beer were consumed. And it's now we've brought it up to 7.7 million. But there were a lot more people. Yes. So we've expanded capacity quite a bit. And you know what else about the the 2013 event (laughs) apparently um there were some metrics around like how much food was consumed so 112 oxen 48 calves and 600,000 chickens were eaten that day or sorry not that day throughout the whole yeah throughout the whole festival holy cow and in 2014 i found some other uh some other metrics i think it was it was something like 6.4 million liters were consumed which is a little bit less than the previous year but the lost and found recovered over 900 passports 530 wallets 330 mobile phones 305 bags and purses 31 cameras and 55 pieces of jewelry and watches holy crap yeah 
But apparently the number of people that have had to be treated for alcohol poisoning and hospitalized is like steadily going down, even as attendance is going up. So it means people are trying to be a little bit more responsible and stay hydrated and whatnot. Interesting. So proud of y'all. And hopefully me and Matt don't lose our passports this week. Yeah, no kidding. Um, that Knock would be dreadful. Wood. We'd have to go to the embassy. Yeah. I'd have I... to go Google what that like where that is. What that process looks like. <laughs> It yes. doesn't sound fun. So uh, some of the highlights of Oktoberfest, so we're kind of at the present right now. So breweries and restaurants enter in, right? So basically um, in the current form, there's a parade that takes place. And then uh, the breweries first take part. Now restaurants and all that stuff come around. Um, so they're decorated in horse carriages and floats and all of this stuff and music and tons of tons of tons of stuff. Um, also, Beer barrel tapping, which is huge. The fun thing about Oktoberfest is beer can only be produced in the limits of Munich. Mm-hmm. That's there. So you can look for stuff like that. What is beer barrel tapping? Like, is that? Yeah. So after the parade of the carriages and all of that um, at the festival grounds, at approximately 12 o'clock, the Lord Mayor opens the first beer barrel at the Scott and Hamill tent. And the initial pass of Opsef is... It's trapped. And I probably butchered that German. I'm pretty bad at pronouncing German terms. I have a friend who has tried to help me. She's from Germany. And she usually has to repeat things for me like 10 times. Yes. So that means um, Oktoberfest is open. A 12-gun salute is then fired at the uh, stairway of Romschall. And this is the signal for other restaurants to start serving beer. So uh, traditionally, the Bavarian minister prisoner president sorry prisoner (laughs) the traditionally the bavarian minister president is served the first liter of beer then the other tents the barrels are tapped and the beer is served to visitors you know what i found was really cool about this i have always thought of oktoberfest as being this huge tourist event but when we were reading i saw that it's something like three quarters of the people who go to Oktoberfest are actually from Bavaria and the rest of the people going are from surrounding countries in the EU. There are people from Canada, Australia, New Zealand, East Asia, and obviously the US. But I didn't realize that it was actually an overwhelming majority of people from Bavaria were going. And that's kind of a nice thing for me being a tourist here and I don't want to feel like I'm taking over somebody else's tradition or kind of like invading on it. So it's nice to know that the overwhelming majority are actually from here. Yeah. And you know what? Oktoberfest, they take security pretty seriously. I was just reading about this actually and uh, technical like accidents. So meaning like if people riding the rides or anything of that nature, um, rarely, rarely like occur. So it's not yeah, like they've had very few issues yeah. except for, um, in 1980, somebody created a pipe bomb out of a fire extinguisher, and it killed something like 13 people, including, I think, the bomber themselves. But they still never really identified who exactly mm. it was. There was just, like, a suspect who who died in the process. But I think that's pretty much the one overwhelming kind of security yeah. blip, I'd say. Yeah, and they've made a real effort to, you know... Considering re- how big it is, that is. Yeah, so... The German police have made like a huge effort to reduce the number of thefts, sexual assaults, and fights in Oktoberfest by like in like increasing the police presence like tenfold. Mm-hmm. So it is actually a lot safer than from what I've heard. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and during Oktoberfest, they actually station a police station. <laughs> so like in Munich, in the festival grounds, uh, 
It makes sense. I mean, yep. it's like the amount of people there is like almost the population of Boston. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's in, Just it's in insane. one area. Yep. It is insane. Like everything, the, the city basically of Munich just shuts down and like everything goes to there. Yeah. You know what else must be crazy is like hotel prices and Airbnb prices around the area must go totally nuts. Yeah. As we know, we experienced that. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. We got a little lucky, but for sure. And I also read that something like a thousand tons of rubbish get get disposed of after the at the end of the festival. So that's a lot of trash. And oh, another fun fact that I read was that in I think it was 2014, the police stopped 112,000 people from trying to take their glass mugs home. So I always thought that you actually got to take the mugs home. You do not. <laughs> so <laughs> bet on you. So. There's so much beer being distributed during Oktoberfest, right? And those leaders, um, those those cups are called masses, mm-hmm. right? Um, experienced waiters only need about one and a half seconds to fill that. Right. So that's why alcohol is getting so distributed, like distributed so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like this whole, like how the city shuts down, there's rides, there's everything. I think one thing that I would be interested to hear from somebody who lives around here is like, does this disrupt their life or is it something that they really look forward to? And does that differ depending on like who you are and where you're from? So if you're somebody who just lives and works in Munich, like average Joe, is this like, I can't wait for Oktoberfest or are you kind of like, oh my God, I'm there's going to be so much traffic. Like, I wonder what that's like for just the average person. We'll have to ask around. Yeah, I would. Uh, <laughs> I would. I'm. I'm interested in that too. And the other thing that I read, which I thought was really funny, and I wish I could have gotten my hands on these, was that Adidas released a pair of sneakers. I think this was like a couple years ago, so they're not available now. But they released a pair of sneakers that were apparently vomit proof, and they were 200 euros, and they sold out like immediately. And I wonder how exactly they made a shoe that is vomit proof. Like, is it, it must be more than waterproof because I know, like, vomit does not come out of things easily. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on eBay right now and <laughs> I can get a, I can get a pair. No problem. Oh yeah. They're $350. Yeah. No problem. They are, um, I'm going to describe them to the listeners, obviously, because you can't see. Maybe we'll show a pair. They're kind of cool looking. Yeah. So they're brown and they say Prost on it, which is cheers. Yep. And, uh, yeah. I don't know how these are vomit proof. They look proof. like pretty average sneakers. Yeah. But they're pretty. Yeah, they're brown. They're brown and white, like a white border around them. And the ad campaign showed this kind of like handsome dude with like lederhosen and he was wearing them and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Yeah, I mean, only 350 <sighs> What a steal. I'm going to cop me a pair. I know that, you know, when I'm going to throw up, the first thing I do is just look straight down and throw up on my feet. So Protect the kicks. <laughs> that's what I think. Cool. So, Emily, I'm excited for this week. Uh, hopefully this got our listeners excited for Oktoberfest. Um, a lo- couple weeks ago we did pumpkin beer and, uh, I don't think we're going to want to talk about any more fall beers or October beers after. No, we're going to be totally falled out. Yes. But Matt, let me ask you this. Like if you're back home in the U S right now and you want to get into the Oktoberfest spirit, what's the best way to do that? Uh, I would say go to a local brewery, yeah. honestly. Um, and this is not a knock against our biggest you know craft craft beer i said that in quotation sam adams but um if you are trying sam adams 
Oktoberfest. Yes, it is a great entry beer to me um, for the Oktoberfest flavor, but I would strongly suggest our friends at Jack's Abbey. Mm, okay. Um, I love their Oktoberfest beer. I think it's awesome. And it, from what I have been told, and I will attest to that probably next week when I have a couple more, um, that it's pretty uh, close to traditional style Oktoberfest beers. Very cool. I feel like another fun thing you could do is get your friends together, you know, get some craft beers at your brewery, come home, like put on a football match, aka soccer, and just like cheers with your friends. Yeah. And a lot of local breweries, actually, not even to like change that subject, but a lot of local breweries are doing their quote unquote Oktoberfest Mm -hmm. events. So you can bring Germany to you. That sounds fun. Yeah. So for our friends back home, go to your local brewery, go and see if they're having an Oktoberfest celebration, and you can get in the spirit with us from afar. Agreed. So the other night, the other thing I wanted to talk about this week. Matt and I went to a panel discussion at uh, my place of work in Boston, and it was basically a panel about the future of brewing. And while I felt like we didn't get much into like the future of brewing, we did meet some cool craft brewers, and we got to talk to some people and just learn about kind of how the industry is changing. So um, we met the guy, the marketing guy who works at Willie's Super Brew, which was a really interesting take on like a, what he was calling a malternative. Yep. It's basically this drink that's made with purified water, ginger, turmeric, and lemon. And it's kind of like, it's not a spiked seltzer. Like you tried it. It's not a cider, mm-hmm. but it's this like other kind of brew. Very easy to drink. And that's, that's their kind of marketing mo is that they want you to drink it it's something that you can go to the beach and have a couple of them yeah and like drink it out of a wine glass instead of wine because it's like low calorie and i think like their whole their whole mo is also just about like disclosing the ingredients because um what they were talking about last night is that you know in the alcohol industry you don't have to disclose your ingredients so you could be putting like kind of just about anything in your product and so these guys are kind of going out of their way to disclose what is in their brew and it's very straightforward yeah the best example they used is people you know who may be having a beer and there's nuts in it or yeah. you know like uh people who are gluten sensitive and not being a hundred percent forthcoming with is it gluten free or gluten extracted you know right like, or like some gluten has been removed right and you should listen to our gluten-free episode for more information about that because I really liked doing that episode. And we, uh, so the moderator of the panel was Rob from uh, Night Shift. And who else was on the panel? So there was the founder of Craft Roots Brewing, which is out of Milford, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And it is a woman-owned and operated brewery. And that was a really impressive talk from her i liked hearing her backstory and how she got into brewing she's been in the industry for over 20 years and it's basically from what i understand the only brewery in milford and i was just telling my coworker about it yesterday and she's like get out there is a brewery in milford and i guess that's a reaction that she gets a lot but they were talking a lot about like how you build community around your brewery and have it not just be like this watering hole 
and she does like yoga and she brings in dogs and then night shift does a lot of events where they like give back to the local community and they and what was it craft roots that did like the sponsor a dog program or was that night shift that was night shift night shift so they like it's like every week or every month they they like sponsor a foster dog and they try to find it a home and it, it was just nice to see like how they're really building roots in the community and I know that people kind of like toss that word around a lot but I really do feel like there is community at the breweries yeah and I would even argue that the community is even beyond the um the community right uh because they talked a lot about how they help each other out yeah uh, and it's which is completely against any other business model um they were talking about the shortage in canning mm-hmm. um which I guess is I didn't even know this is like a huge epidemic epidemic in the uh, craft beer scene so people not having enough cans to um you know distribute their beer yeah essentially it it was like it wasn't the aluminum prices are going up so the raw materials but it's also the capacity of the can makers yes because there's only two can makers there's ball and crown and i had no clue about that yeah we learned a lot about like the supply chain issues last night which was really cool uh so like night shift for example and i'm only using night shift is because they were there and they mentioned it is you know uh rob said you know was it you know the best idea to do it business wise uh he didn't even second guess it he said i didn't care it was just the right thing to do uh and the example is he gave um cans to another brewery well right well he sold them, them. Sold yeah, them yeah he sold them and basically took the risk on i might not be able to get these later this year right but the biggest topic that i think we heard was just the fact that brewers help each other and Mm. that's not something you see among people who compete and i really liked rob's point about we were talking a lot about like alcohol regulations and how some of them are really outdated and some of them like prevent these brewers from being able to collaborate even deeper so he was saying like i would love to serve willie's super brew at night shift because my customers might be looking for an alternative or i'd love to be serving craft roots at my brewery exactly. and vice versa like maybe uh, willie's super brew if they ever had a tap room like they would love to serve night shift but that's not that's against the law right now right and i guess i get it because they are trying to protect the local bar in the in the liquor stores and all of that stuff but you know they use the example it's 50 dollars to get a brewer's license where it's a couple hundred thousand dollars to For get like a liquor license, a liquor license yeah. at a restaurant or a bar so i can understand bars and liquors and liquor stores and restaurants being like hey i don't want you to do this because our market yeah go down. it gets into weird territory but it does feel like some more thought should be put into the regulations mm-hmm. now just considering like we need to modernize a little bit they're kind of outdated yeah so i'd encourage a lot of our listeners to look up the mass brewers guild um mm-hmm. and or even like your your, your state i mean we're not just local to massachusetts look up your state's brewers guild because uh, they are actually doing a lot of work on um you know city hall uh your capital your, your you know our for Boston, us it's Boston. beacon hill yeah, it's beacon hill yeah. so they're doing a lot of work getting legislation through because they're saying the struggles that they're having i'm guaranteeing that people across the country are having the same struggles um often not knowing you know rules they're calling you know the their commissions and they're i don't know about that or if you you're not getting consistent answers across the board right right and they're kind of like learning the regulations from each other as opposed to learning it from these government bodies that are supposedly going to be like the authority on it it's like they just ask other brewers like hey in your experience have you been able to do this and they're like no no you can't do that yes (laughs) 
So that was really cool. And I feel like, again, like I think the future of brewing is just that there are going to be a lot of supply chain challenges and you really need to look out for each other and help each other because that's probably the best way to get the right information. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting because all, uh, you know, all the people on the panel had different motives. And I don't say like motives like a negative connotation. Like, um, like yeah, Craft like- Roots was totally okay with just being community focused and serving everyone within the Milford community. Yeah, she was like, we're not about scale. We're about being who we are. And their entire MO is just about sourcing all local ingredients. So like all of her grains, her malts, her fruits, everything comes from local farms. And And then then, like Willie's. Her hops are grown in Western Mass. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, And then like Willie's, for example, they're like, we aren't going to try to compete in a craft beer market. We know what we are and we're going to try to compete in that. And then obviously Night Shift, they distribute, they... They're huge. Yeah. Uh, so it was a really good representation of of the brewer's industry. Um, I did wish that they had somebody. My only bit of feedback, I think, to this event was I wish that they had somebody um, like Essex County Brewing who is in the process of opening a brewery. Mm, like somebody who's just, just about, about to just get, get started, started and like what challenges they're I going through. Because I think that is like a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of overall like really good questions. Um, the event was cool. Uh, they did say, come hungry we luckily ate first yeah because <laughs> there wasn't much food yeah there was but half a chicken sandwich there was there were good drinks to be had yes. and good samples and we great met people a lot to of meet. great people yeah. and hopefully you know we'll be hearing from craft roots on the podcast because i'm really interested to hear you know just what it's like for them being all woman owned woman mm. operated i think that's great i think it's super cool and i loved this one question that rob asked her about like what challenges do you have around diversity in the brewing industry? And she was like, you know what? Actually, I don't feel like there is like a secret boys club around brewing. I've never felt excluded in this industry. And she's like, I know you're probably hoping for me to say that this was like so challenging for me as a woman, but Mm -hmm. I actually feel like this is a very inclusive community and that it, that is unique about it. Yeah. So I kind of loved that. I, uh, I also, I talked with Rob from night shift and initially night shift has denied to be on this podcast oh so hopefully we'll be talking to them (laughs) i told rob i was like straight up man you need to come on like we've had everyone else on in your area so come on come on night shift he's like he gave me his business card and he said we'll be in touch we'll be in touch so rob this is rob we're uh, gonna be in touch we're just gonna harass you until you come and talk to us yeah i think it's gonna be kind of like uh the jimmy kimmel thing when uh he used to say like uh matt damon we had time for matt damon but the show ran out we ran out of time for matt damon so like our Matt Damon joke is going to be like next week is night shift until they come <laughs> on. Like love it. Yeah. Yeah. Night shift. Come on our episode. Like everyone's want, saying yes. I want to know because as somebody in marketing and somebody who's really industry interested in businesses that scale, this is one of the most fascinating examples of a business that scaled very quickly and has grown roots so quickly and i'm just really impressed by how well you guys have grown the community that you've built and just you guys are like a freaking powerhouse like i didn't realize that they were putting on events pretty much every single night of the week they've got live music they've got food trucks they've got games like they're scaling at an incredible rate but they're still maintaining this like nice atmosphere and i'm just really interested to talk to them about how they manage all that and how their team has grown no more hyping them up until they come on yeah well no i'm just kidding i want to hype them so they'll come on yeah i do too all right so emily where can we be found on social media you can find us everywhere 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Brewroots. And you can also email us info at brewroots.com. We're also on brewroots.com where you can find blog posts and the latest episodes and information about our lovely selves. Yes. And there's only a handful of episodes left in season two. Then we're going to be taking a little bit of a break. And then Christmas season break. three is going to be coming to you soon. And it's going to be popping. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah. But if there's something that you want to hear that we are not currently doing, info at brewroots.com is our very public email. Yeah. We answer emails all the time. Slip into our DMs. We ain't going to bite. What's something you've always wanted to know about beer? What's something you hate about beer? What's something that you love about beer? Talk to us. Yes. Maybe there's an episode there. And if you are a home brewer, reach out. We would love to talk to you Mm -hmm. and have you as an exclusive guest. More importantly, we are potentially looking to add another person to the Brewroots team. We are looking for an experienced producer and sound engineer. So if you guys know anybody that has experience with editing audio with lovely voices on it, like ours, it would save us quite a lot of time and you'd get to be part of the Brewroots fam. Exactly. And... To close out the episode, Matt, I think it's time to uh, oh, fess up. Do we have to? So we're not in Germany. We've never been in Germany. And in fact, I don't even have a passport. <laughs> if you guys listened all the way to the end, that means you are the true homies. And we are obviously live from Brewroots HQ right now. Yes. Why? But- like, Matt and I can't afford to go to Germany right now. Yeah, And also, if you can tell that at the beginning of the episode, you can see the reason why we need a producer sound engineer yeah because we're doing this all ourselves and it's really funny and fun but it definitely like means for a lot of late nights for us and we both work a lot matt works like friggin' seven jobs yeah and we want to take this to the next level we've gotten a couple cool opportunities and uh we want to deliver the best product that we can yeah so we're excited to talk to you guys next week and until then catch us on social cheers cheers i've always wanted to say this so auf wiedersehen auf wiedersehen